There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Rarely going where no one has gone before. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Richard Dave, and today we'll be discussing Episode 5 of Star Trek Lower Decks. What an episode. <laughs> Didn't surpass last week's. I don't think so either, but I still thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I noticed on, uh, I was looking up cast on IMDb, and, and it got rated higher on IMDb than last week's, and I thought last week's was genius. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something wrong with me. I guess everyone knows that. <laughs> don't agree with me. <laughs> so we get episode five, Cupid's Errant Arrow. Mariner is suspicious of Boimler's new girlfriend, and Tendi and Rutherford grow jealous of a bigger starship's gear. It didn't look that much bigger. No, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, they're right next to each other, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, just built differently. Yeah. Even, who was it? Mariner said that, uh, hey, these are basically the same ship. And they just look at each other like, Pfft. Yeah. <laughs> How could that No. <laughs> Should have put the L on her forehead. <laughs> you know what was missing from last week's episode was Boimler. And now that he's back, I didn't like it as much. <laughs> he's so nervous. Yeah. And he's such a loser. And they, they telegraph that he's a loser. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I guess I don't. It's not that I don't get the comedy. Of course I do. But I guess it doesn't not being a loser myself, <laughs> even though I just called myself one a few minutes ago. <laughs> it just doesn't resonate with me the same way. Right. I prefer the, the stuff to go around Mariner. I mean, we got plenty of Beckett in this episode, too. She was off her rocker. Maybe that's what Boiler brings out in her. Bradward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What a name. Yeah, I know. Bradward? Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no wonder he has insecurity issues. Yes, I know. As far as I know, he's the only one in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with how Freeman got her groove back. Yeah. You know, Freeman and Ransom are visiting the Vancouver, and of course, the captain welcomes them to the bridge, but they immediately find out that this scheduled controlled demolition might be canceled due to a diplomatic crisis involving the people of Mixus 2 and 3. Yeah, mixed us. Mixed us. They're mixed up, all right. Oh, you better believe it. Now, I did find it interesting that the Vancouver captain just was had no clue on how to handle this argument between these two planets. Yeah, she's showing off her technically superior ship. Yeah, and right. Yeah, and take a look at it, and, and maybe you'll get a ship like this someday. But she, yeah, I don't know. Why was she assigned it? It wasn't for her diplomacy skills. No, it sure wasn't. Now, maybe because it was a, a pure engineering ship, maybe she just didn't have the experience and conflict control here. <laughs> yeah, so I give Carol a hard time. Yes, which I thought was interesting as well is that she kind of looked down her nose at 
both Freeman and Ransom. Yeah, so she doesn't get how to work diplomacy with these mixed up people. And then she disses <laughs> the person who's there to help her. Right. Nice hair, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a cartoon. <laughs> so in the conference room, of course, the people are arguing about why the moon can't be demolished. One argues that the moon is sacred and religiously significant to them. Of course, that always happens. Yeah, One too. argues that the tides caused by the moon's gravity are crucial to their summer crops. Of course. And some say that the moon has been home to their families for generations. <laughs> and we even have one saying, oh, this is just a made-up thing by the government in order to control them. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, they've been paying attention to <laughs> recent events. Yes. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> so Freeman rolls her sleeves up to get ready to negotiate. Later on, she offers a solution. She says that they will relocate three tons of dust from the unstable moon for the people who hold it religiously significant to worship. <laughs> then she says she'll set up gravity systems installed for the farmers who depend on the tides for the crops. And finally, she says all the ancestral homes will be relocated to the sixth moon since it will soon technically be the fifth moon anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Now, of course, that solves all the problems except one. <laughs> and this one was absolutely hilarious. I was calling him Deep Purple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, Deep Purple. Because he's just, nope. Yeah. You can't implode the moon. He cites the prime directive. Of course, Freeman says that didn't apply in this <laughs> yeah. situation, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he mentions the whole civilization will be destroyed. Yeah. God. All two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freeman just goes off on him. <laughs> and she gives the order to implode the moon. Not right away. The, right away, too. Yeah, not the <laughs> Vancouver captain. Blow it up. Like, <laughs> I know. Wow. Blow it up. Just <laughs> <laughs> take over, Freeman. You go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you should get a citation for that. You would actually think so. I mean, she comes in and basically saves two planets. And we never saw the other captain again, did we? Did we? I don't think we did. No. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. I think she went and hid in a ready <laughs> room. Went back to her ready room. What was that noise? <laughs> well, shall we get into Boimler's girlfriend? Robert Brinson. I looked up, uh, well, I'll get to that. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is a pretty much a Boimler episode with a heavy yeah. dose yeah. of, uh, with, uh, what's her name? Beckett. Yeah. No, that's not her name. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I was, gonna, I was, I don't know what I call her, Beckett or Mariners. Yeah. I like Mariner better than Beckett. Though. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the mission to assist the Vancouver with uh, controlled demolitions is not the most important thing to him because he comes dancing in. So it's typical him. We get all the uh, whatever's going to information as he's snapping his finger. The most important thing to him is he's going to have lunch with the coolest, smartest officer in Starfleet, Barbara Brinson. Who opens has to be his girlfriend. He is so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he's on top and he's being Joe Cool and snapping his fingers and walking along, it's disaster is going to be right around the corner for this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's apparently his job. No wonder they made him an instant. Say, I will get a job for you, buddy. Right. <laughs> Designated loser with nearly Bradward in the in the galaxy. Yes. <laughs> so Barbara Brinson's an interesting character. The voice is supplied by Jillian Jacobs of Community fame, who is one of my favorites. 
So I decided to look her up because I don't think I've seen her in too much lately. But she's got a bunch of stuff coming out uh, next year. Apparently a book adaptation for TV called Fear Street and something else called Violent of Action. And she's going to do more voice work, too, in a TV series called Invincible. I'm going to click on Invincible. Yeah, just sounds quick. interesting. It's an animated series based on the Skybound Image comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. <laughs> As we need. Another superhero right. show. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. Don't let the boys find out about this. <laughs> I know. Just started watching the boys again. Too late. Yeah. I'm watching too late, and I'm like, uh, next thing I know, I'm falling asleep. Nothing's boring. Right. <laughs> too late in the evening. Yes. <laughs> so, it undertaken a shout craft to the Vancouver, and Boimler is standing in the hangar with flowers and a teddy bear waiting for Brinson. Did you check out the, the teddy bear? Didn't it's notice got, it. It's got a, a Geordie visor on oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. I mean, the nods and the references to all the other series are pretty clever. Yes, they are. <laughs> I liked it when he drops it, too, and he does a little squeak. <laughs> they actually thought of putting that in as uh-huh. part of the sound design. <laughs> but she's not, of course, he's, he's in, as usual, in an instant panic. He's looking around. She's not there. And he thinks he got stood up. Suddenly, she rushes in and comes over in a big uh, embrace and a kiss. And Beckett's first move is to be totally stunned by it all. And she goes, computer and program, <laughs> which I thought was the funniest thing. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, could, this can't be real, computer and program. <laughs> I, wanted, be I, I wish I had more Star Trek friends that I socialize with. Of course, I don't socialize with anybody now. Yeah. Thanks a damn you, pandemic. I, I should try that. Hey, pandemic, computer and program. Yeah. <laughs> nope, didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> Next time I go out drinking, though, when that, whenever that is, I'm going to look at somebody and say that. <laughs> uh, they won't get it, though, so it'll be wasted. <laughs> so uh, Mariner surveys the situation of seeing the two together and decides that Barb is either a Ronlin spy, a salt succubus, or a surgically altered Cardassian spy, or a Sullivan. <laughs> she just can't believe, she just can't believe nope. that uh, Boimler would have a girlfriend like this, of such status. Then she's a lieutenant. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So she gets invested with the idea, and she even creates her own serial killer hunter board, which is the classic yarn wall. Yes. I love yarn walls. <laughs> Connecting all the evidence. They're so fun. Every time they show them on TV, I'm like, all right, hold that so I can study what it is. And then they switch away to whoever's talking. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm reading yet. the yarn wall. Can you go back? <laughs> Homeland was famous for yarn walls. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. That had the best one on there. Elementary, <laughs> uh, castle. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. Just hold still. I need to download your yarn wall. <laughs> yeah. So what we learned uh, her, on her former ship, Deep Space Nine, Mariner's colleague, seemingly perfect boyfriend, was actually a shapeshifter. Leave Mariner to believe that Boimler is in a similar situation. He was determined to on um, totally out of his league lieutenant even faced with her reuniting with her ex-boyfriend Jet, the coolest guy in the Cerritos. So that bit about the cooler I mean the the uh the boyfriend. Yes. He based night when he just like like unfolds from his mind. First his eyes go sideways. Right. <laughs> and then his head splits open and, and then he eats his girlfriend. He ate her, didn't he? I mean just like chomped her down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Poor old Mariner is like shocked and she's like, no. So anyway, later in the evening, Boimler enters the room and immediately walks over to Barb, attempting to joke and be funny, but actually messes up a hologram simulation, which Jet, the second coolest guy on the ship, immediately fixes. <laughs> is that the scene where um, Mariner rolls, like does that roll behind her, like leaps behind him and rolls yes. into the <laughs> Yes. That's, that's the classic uh, Star Trek roll. Yes. 
Except it's usually with a uh, a phaser. They even do it on Galaxy Quest. <laughs> you can't do something without rolling. Yep. <laughs> so it's just the tone that the little thing admitted. It would have uh, disrupted an android's positronic brain, but it didn't hurt Brinson. So she concludes that Brinson is organic, and she'll need a sample. <laughs> I mean, just so you can tell, this is going to spin out of control. Oh, Boiler probably. Oh, yeah. Apologizes for Mariner's behavior. Tells that when she she was just leaving. <laughs> so Mariner's always obsessing. I mean, she's kind of obsessive. But I think it's worse when Boiler's around. She seems to obsess over Boiler, but I, I still don't see any of them having some type of romantic situation. We, we might have discussed on this earlier. Right, yeah. I don't yeah. think so either. I think it's I don't totally think so. platonic. That yeah. Back from the end of episode one where she goes, I'm going to mentor you. So yeah. basically yeah. she's taking responsibility for keeping Boimler safe from himself. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I like how they always are shoving each other around. Yeah. I don't see that physical, much physical contact from um, shipmates in any of the other real life people. Right. <laughs> series. They're never shoving each other around, are they? No. I don't think so. It's always it, the Klingons that are doing that. <laughs> yeah. These guys, uh, they don't mean putting each other's hands on each other too, pushing each other around. Hmm, interesting. So, Princeton gets tired of both, asks them both to leave, because they have a lot of work to do. Then she'll meet with him later in the mess hall. So, Boimler has a computer created an out for him from the coolest people in history, and a boy small, which is also hilarious. Yes. <laughs> boy small. <laughs> and when he goes into the mess hall later with his new outfit, and my first prediction was, this is going to, well, of course it's going to bomb badly, but, and he looks ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> but it turns out she liked it <laughs> in the end. Yeah. You're coming in here looking all cool, and I'm like, what? <laughs> course she realizes he's just acting weird and boimler goes to a replicator and asks for a beer and uh and he goes he asks for it hot and that's that's gotta be a a tiny picard reference because he's always asking for tea earl gray hot and this dope asks for a beer and he says hot i mean wait a minute cold i mean cold he is such a nervous idiot brinson notes that they're still on duty and and asks what the heck's going on when boimler's saying uh, this is who he is and he trips on jet's foot and I wonder if Jet did that on purpose. Yeah. Maybe not. And he spills his beer all over Brinson. She, she gets pissed. And, <laughs> and uh, Mariner sneaks up on her and cuts a, a sample of her hair, which is so weird. Because I think I've seen that on other comedy shows, too. Yeah. And the person turns around, you just pulled my hair or something like that. Nope, wasn't me. <laughs> and poor some sad crew members walking behind him. <laughs> and uh, Mariner just blames this alien guy who walked behind him. He's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, Boiler's upset with himself, and uh, Mariner ends up scanning Brinson's hair sample. And Mariner's certain that Brinson must be a reptoid, saying that Brinson will likely need Boimler as a male partner and dab with her tail and implant with her spawn. But Boimler angrily tells him to just drop it and leave it for a for a brief moment. He's the sane one here. Right, just yeah. let it <laughs> let it go, let it go. But she's so upset she just can't. In the hangar of the, of the Vancouver, Boimler is holding gifts, hoping to reconcile her, and and hopes. Here's this. Uh, I hope it'll make it fit. Another one of the oldest joke in the book. Let's yeah. see. You can, hear them talking and he believes that they're having sex Princeton and, and Jet so he rushes over the old going only see they're not engaged sex but instead trying to push a pipe close <laughs> into the wall of the shuttlecraft take a by surprised by Boimler's intrusion realize that Boimler thought he was cheating on him she angrily takes him outside the shuttlecraft and scolds him for his behavior and accusation of cheating like gee it, this guy is just like watching one of those garbage things on Star Wars and just crushing everybody in he just he just can't help himself no you know <laughs> he's so self-destructive he might as well go into a a Star Wars garbage 
thing and just get crushed and end it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brinson has to tell him there's nothing happening between her and Jet, and Boywood is flustered. They may have potentially ruined the relationship for like uh, a third or fourth time. Yes, at least. <laughs> Guys on a roll. But Brinson still, still reassures him that she loves him and loves him from who he is. I'm like, wow, are yeah. you sure? What <laughs> is really going on here? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Even we should be coming suspicion of like, why, lady? Why? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So as they reconcile and kiss, Mariner appears and shouts to Boyman to watch out for Brinson's tail. <laughs> Uh, she leaps at Princeton and pulls her pants down. <laughs> Let me shock. When Princeton doesn't have a reptoid tail as he suspected. I wish I didn't spoil that joke. Was right. that on the preview? That would have been hilarious. Yes. But since we'd already seen it on the preview, yeah. it kind of wrecked. Oh, well, too bad. <laughs> Pink underwear. <laughs> what if that's uh, Starfleet regulation? I suppose it is. <laughs> you should have had one of those Starfleet logos on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I was looking. So, anyway, Boimler's had enough, and he's about to tell her off when Brinson is called to to report an orbital platform gamma to operate the planet. She invites Borman to, to join her and happily leaves with her. Mariner's just standing there in disbelief because she was wrong about Brinson. And she just can't. Well, her other problem is she, she can't be believed that she's wrong right. about anything. You know, yes. she's dead. She's arrogant. I mean, experience. yeah, yeah, I'm not wrong. <laughs> and she steps on a husk of a parasite. Aha! So there is something to it. Yes. <laughs> so she's horrified that Brinson is actually an alien parasite. She runs out to the save Boimler. And when Merida rushes to Vancouver and asks the ship computer to locate Boimler, and the computer tells her that he's already left for the orbiting platform, Gamma and Merida unsuccessfully tries to initiate emergency uh, transport yeah. to the platform. <laughs> Which is funny also. Every ship's yes. not going to listen to you, Mariner. <laughs> yeah, I know. She just makes up some security thing. And, and uh, the thing, what you think is just a computer program, which is, hey, who is this? Right. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Uh-oh. <laughs> so she, she she manages to do ingenuity. She puts on an environmental suit, a kind of blew us up, up space to and reaches the platform with a little, with a little difficulty and enters the fine point completely naked, <laughs> much to both her, the heart. He's got the little uh, black censored thing. Yeah. <laughs> Over his little thing that should be censored. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's why he ordered a, a boy small. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I was wondering what they'd do in there. But, uh, yeah. So he's beside himself. He's like sitting in a chair naked. <laughs> the guy's so weird. He angrily demands that Mariner leave, saying that this is time for him and Brinson. But Mariner shows him the husk and tells him that Brinson's a parasite. But Boimler covers himself, thankfully, and accuses her of simply creating a fake husk. And it was an effort to stifle the fact that something was had to be wrong with Brinson. So this the two argue. And <laughs> meanwhile, the, the end of the world's going on. The platform reaches a, a critical altitude. And is jolted, causing Boimer to hit his head against the console and knock him out. Mariner rushes to his side as Brinson walks in. I don't know why she wasn't wearing her. She was fully clothed, so I don't know what she expected. Uh, I wonder what her reaction was to see you. Oh, I know. There with I know. I wanted to see, see that. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funny to see her say, thing, What's that black box on you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what black box? <laughs> So the two see each other and angrily demand to stay away from Boimler and Brinson Taxel Mariner. Mariner refused to let Brinson hurt Boimler, and Brinson says she's just doing to protect her from Mariner. This is a table switch there. Brinson is unable to believe that Boimler and Mariner's conflicting personally allow them to become friends. She believes that Mariner is a parasite. This is just like spinning out of control. Yes. <laughs> Mariner accuses Brinson of being the parasite, and they go to fighting. So this is a classic fight, too. The swinging and the kicking. Yes. And, and the lunging and the falling over stuff and breaking stuff. It's like a, the classic barroom brawl, except for the, some martial arts that they had to learn. Yes. If they went through the academy, I suppose. Brinson stops her attack 
attack as Meredith notes on Incident Sindhu 4, during which it took Boimler a week to realize that he was urinating in the sinks of the locals rather than in their toilets. <laughs> Jesus. Of course he did. Brinson notes that Boimler said what happened to some that happened to somebody else and mentions it on their second day. Boimler shook hands with the Lorshan's egg sack. Oh. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> At least it had to be. <laughs> Brinson and Mare begin to laugh and together at Boimler's many misadventures and cease their fight. Kind of a trope, but we, we've seen that type. Oh, really? We're friends. This yes. guy's a loser. Brinson notes that both Mariner and Boimler have been through a lot. Mariner agrees in saying that while Boimler is a bit of a dork, he is her dork, which is what we were getting to all along. Yes. And defining the relationship. They both realize that neither of them are parasites. They act in good faith. Brinson allows Mariner to scan her to confirm this, and Mariner indeed confirms that she is human. And <laughs> or shortly afterwards, the tricorder detects the presence of a parasite nearby, much to the discomfort of Brinson and, and Mariner. Figured it had to find something. Oh, absolutely. Mariner Brinson scan the unconscious body of the parasite and find it's attached to the back of his head. A guga, as we were come to learn. Meanwhile, uh, so Boimler awakens, initially pleads for them not to remove it. <laughs> the two successfully remove the parasite from his head, and Boimler is shocked to see it. And later, they have the imprisoned parasite in a canister, and the parasite says that it wants behind the, the Boimler's affection for Brinson. That thing was a little funny. It's like, love, 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 or love me. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent concludes that the species of the parasite reproduces by making their host chemically irresistible to potential mates. Hey, at least if she was a potential mate, and that excludes Mariner. And Mariner concludes that he picked parasite just before meeting Brinson. So Brinson must be thinking, oh, what have I done? What has been done to me? Right. <laughs> Boimler asked Brinson if she only liked him for the parasite, and Brinson assures him that she would not fall for anyone else for their pheromones alone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Boimler seems relieved this, having fear that she would break up with him, but Brinson says that while well, Boimler's sweet, she needs to spend all her energy devoted to her job with Starfleet, specifically studying that particular parasite. She grabs a canister and gives Boimler a small kiss on the forehead, on the forehead, before yes. leaving. <laughs> Boimler said, Boimler. Yeah, I know. I have to go say this is this is preferable to you. I'm going to study this. Boimler saddened by the turn of Vance, and Mariner assures him that we'll find someone who loves him without the assistance of a, a parasite, which motivates Boimler. So yes, I, I can do this. Brinson returns briefly and tells Mariner that she will see her in a month in the Matari tournament. Boimler's confused that they made plans, and Mariner tells him that they bonded over. Girl, stop. He then asks if he really, really sh- shook a Laurentian's egg sack, and Boimler's mortified. Then you realize it was just exactly what they bonded over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Telling stories about you. Yeah. <laughs> Poor pathetic boy, yeah. Mark. So Brinson actually manages to get out of the situation without really admitting that she fell for the parasite's ploy, but yeah. we all know she did. Yeah. That was a little funny. Yes. I wonder if she is. <laughs> if you extrapolate it, I wonder if she's going to use the uh, parasite on somebody else. Right. <laughs> That's a possibility. Me. So we. Go over to Sleepless on the Vancouver and check in with Tendi and Rutherford, who are just psyched to go on to this much improved ship. Yes, our B plot. Yeah. Well, actually, our C plot. C plot. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, working on the Cerritos is not always easy as it seems to be slowly but surely falling apart. Actually, I'm not sure. Out a <laughs> plasma fire. <laughs> yeah, I know. While he's lying there. Rutherford it- says, I just love the way the Cerritos smells like burning marshmallows. <laughs> I know. It's because it is burning. And once they get aboard the Vancouver, 
<laughs> they ooh and ah even more. They're to help out the moon mission by running diagnostics using shiny T-88s. Thanks to Lieutenant Commander Ron Dosick. Now, I, as soon as I saw this Lieutenant Commander, I thought of Barkley, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, what, the, what, the way the story ended up ending, it was Barkley all the way. <laughs> yeah. Barkley's a little more heroic than this guy. Yes. <laughs> when he needs to be. Yeah. Not yeah. always. There for the first probably dozen episodes we saw him, he was not the heroic one, but he finally yeah. grew he was up more bo- Yeah, he was more Boimler than anything. <laughs> yes. So, of course, the lieutenant commander tells them that whoever finishes first will be given one of the T-88s. So, of course, Woo! friendly competition to see who is the most efficient. <laughs> And they actually tie. Of course yeah, they do. Of course they do. <laughs> but they aren't getting the T-88s. They're getting a transfer to the Vancouver. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. That's not, not sure what you, they wanted. I'm not sure even Barkley would go there. No. <laughs> so, of course, the commander tries to file the paperwork against their will and admits that life aboard the Vancouver comes with too much pressure and stress. Brother, but it's what everyone else is looking for if you're on the Cerritos and this guy wants to get off. <laughs> he was hoping to transfer both Tindy and Rutherford to make space for himself on the Cerritos. Oh, God. Of course, Rutherford uses his brains and his implant to record the conversation with Docent, and seeing that he doesn't want to get court-martialed, he rescinds the transfer. I saw him do that too. Tap his uh, pad, his in- implant. Yeah, yeah. no, oh, tap yeah. him. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and back in engineering aboard the Cerritos, Tindy and Rutherford are back, happy to be back with their friends and even with the state of the Cerritos. And Tindy says that before they left Vancouver, she managed to grab a gift for Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> she grabs a nearby duffel bag and empties out numerous T-88s that she managed to steal. <laughs> I know. And Rutherford laughs and shows her his own duffel bag full of T-88s. You, go, you guys are wanting a court martial here, aren't you? I, it's funny. It's like anybody that goes on a vacation and you undo your pack and there's all the soaps and towels yes. and everything else they can grab from free from whatever hotel they were stayed in. Yeah. Uh, I've never done that. No. No. <laughs> well, shall we get into some Easter eggs in your top five? Sure. So this is the first episode of the series that did not include a teaser before the opening titles. Yeah, huh. wasn't expecting. I was kind of going, it kind of threw me off. It's like, yeah. what, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Vapor's an alternate reality. There was a line that you hear when you happen on the Enterprise. Apparently, Data's got a, <laughs> an evil twin brother who teamed up with the boar. He had crazy, right? That was a callback to events of Star Trek Next Generation, Descent and Descent Part 2. That was funny. That's oh, all yeah. they do. Even when they're in a bar, they talk about what's the, the, the talk of the galaxy. Yes. Talk, yeah, you have to go. <laughs> Everything happens to them. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I saw the same thing that you did. Uh, this is the first episode of the series to depict a Starfleet uniform from a previous live action series. Specifically, it depicts the uniform style. First adopted by Starfleet in the, in the film Star Trek First Contact, which subsequently appeared elsewhere by uh, DS9 and Voyager in season four. I, I always liked that uniform. Yeah. It had like some dimension to it. It seemed like it was like, I don't know, softer or something or more, at least more comfortable. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was quite as skin tight as the yeah, older or, ones were. Yeah, like what a about like, Mariner's hair. 
Oh, yeah, I know. Big and boofy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but she did have a pip on, so she was a lieutenant. I looked for that, too. Yeah. There was another line that that guy's got like a Kirk Sunday with a Trip Tucker Sprinkles. <laughs> After Jonathan Archer, Trip Tucker has the honor of being a second character from Star Trek Enterprise to be mentioned. After the end of that series, Archer was referenced in Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery. Hey, you have to. You have to. All the stuff is canon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, I, I fist bumped that, that line. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let yeah. go. Get Trip in there. I know. That, you didn't think it was that significant, but these, these guys are on top of everything. Might as well. It won't be the last time. <laughs> and then there was the line, oh, she's real. She's as real as a hopped up Q on Captain Picard Day. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> a hopped up Q yeah. on Captain Picard Day. Wow. So, I do have some jokes. Or at least my list of jokes. Yes. <laughs> and it just so happens that what I rated number five, and these are just, you know, my ratings. You guys can uh, rate them as well. The Kirk Sunday with Trip yes. Tucker Sprinkles. <laughs> That's Jet, by the way. That was that was number five yep. <laughs> to me. That's a good one. And I know you like the door whoosh, and that was number four for me. Because <laughs> they're sitting there reminiscing over the Vancouver, and it was a door whoosh, and they both go with their hands whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. And number three was the T-88s. And there was a comment one. This is not a star. This is a starship, not heaven. Yeah. <laughs> brother. And then there when, when Mariner was really going over the edge, and she she gets the hollowed eyes, and she's going on about the Barb tail. And then she goes, oh, wait, her name is Barb. <laughs> that's, you know, what she's really <laughs> obsessing. Yes. That's like, that's like me when I try to pick a show to pieces. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. And of course, there's nothing to it. <laughs> but my number one funny was computer and program. Yes. Which, <laughs> it was so casual. And, and she just walked in and she sat so stunned. It, yeah. It, it can't, it can't be real. Uh, computer yeah. and program. <laughs> oh, man. That, number one. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> well, we do have some feedback from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 5. Actually, I like this episode the best so far, and that's partly because it's a more or less normal episode, not with the most freaky things. In a good Star Trek tradition, actually. What I found very funny, of course, is that Mariner couldn't believe that Boimler had a girlfriend. Cannot be right. It should be impossible. And especially after she met her, she got very suspicious. And at the end, of course, she was right that there was something wrong, but not with her, not with Barbara. A little nitpick in the story is, of course, that if Boimler is sending out pheromones and people starting to like him because of that, because of this bug, then probably more women would be attracted to him. What's a big question to me is what does Mariner really think of Boimler because she finds him the nerd and has a completely different lifestyle than she has. On the other hand, she's fully protecting him and really puts a lot of effort in saving him, etc. So that at least shows that she cares about him somehow. She says he's a dork, but he's my dork. And again, the Tandy Rutherford story was a little less appealing to me, which is not the first time in this series. Okay, that was it for this episode. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, wow. thanks so much, Fred, for your feedback, as always. Yeah. He, uh, he pretty much mirrored what we thought. Just yeah. about every, everything. 
Yeah, actually, he really did. And like I said, I really think that Mariner is basically feeling that she should be responsible for making sure Boimler doesn't get himself in so much trouble that he gets killed. Yeah. (laughs) I really do. I think that's just her way of trying to take care of somebody. Obsessive as it is. Yes. (laughs) And one thing with the Rutherford and Tindy, she's in medical. Why is she working in engineering on the Vancouver? Did she volunteer or? I don't don't know. Yeah, that kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah, there was a couple of things that, uh, as Fred said, too, so why wasn't anybody else attracted? Right, you know? that's a very good question as well, you would think. And and Mariner, you didn't see her reacting that way to Boimler, so. And there, there should have been, like, shipmates walking by him that would just, like, raise an eyebrow, like, wow, what a, what a hunk that guy is. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> that, <laughs> that would really would have pushed Mariner over the edge. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting with you on social media. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? They can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. On Twitter, Steve is at Sally Steve and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you're listening to us on. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Lower Deck podcasts out there. <laughs> Tell your friends and we do hope you are enjoying our podcast and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirls own podcasts. The sixth episode is on September 10th and is titled, well, it's not titled anything, it's Mystery Again. Yes, I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. <laughs> I don't know, another void, another dimension they're not letting us access to. Exactly. <laughs> oh, they, they must have all these in the can, so. Oh, abs- yes, absolutely. I don't huh. know why they're not releasing them. Weird. I guess they're afraid maybe the titles are not quite as... <laughs> Shall we say thought provoking as the first four were? <laughs> like like Moist Vessel? I didn't yes. know what to think of that one. Uh oh. Edict. Uh, <laughs> don't want us going down the wrong path here. Maybe they should have titled it Black Box Little Boy Small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, giveaway. We can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, well, this is Chief Engineer Steve. Brad, when a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true, then red alert, man. It probably is. It always is. <laughs> and I'm Redshirt Dave, and I dated a salt-sucking succubus when I was in college. She was nice. 